What's up, guys? It's Matty Boy Whitmore here, and I'm, of course, with the awesome Keris Marston. Say hello, Keris. Hello, Keris. Episode number 75 of Fit Food Radio, and we have got the one and only Dr. Tommy Wood on the show once again. Wagwan, Tommy. Oh, hi. Uh, it's nice to be back. Good. 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 Is that how I answer that question? You meant to say, you meant to say, Wagwan Matt. That's what you meant to say. <laughs> Good work. Good work. It sounded very posh then. Oh, hi. Yeah. yeah. You had your phone voice on there, Tommy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you know, I try and remain respectable as much as possible. It's quite funny because Keris has got an epic phone voice. Like, it's so different. I actually, if I'm in another room and I can hear her on the phone to someone who, like, isn't a friend, you know, something, like, important or whatever. Oh, what RP? I'm a bit like, who's in our flat? (laughs) Who's this? And then I walk in, it's Keris. And I'm like, wow. I mean, that's that's a big, big difference. I'm just the same, aren't I? No, I've never heard you have a phone voice. I said, no, I mean, I'm the same, so oh, right. I don't have a phone voice. I'm just... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm consistent, I'm <laughs> consistent. So guys, on today's episode, we thought we would put Tommy on the spot a little bit. It basically meaning, you know, we, we've got a load of questions and topics that we want to cover, of which he has no idea. So, <laughs> so Tommy, we'll, we'll edit out all the things you don't know the answer to. Yeah, awesome. We'll just edit <laughs> those <laughs> out. <laughs> Is this your worst nightmare? Because I know you love to go away and research. You like a bit of research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like literally every podcast I do ends up with like 10 pages of notes. Really? That's um, why I don't do that many. It's because I just physically got on a <laughs> Full-time uh, job. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, fine. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> well, just uh, the bit, the background here is I basically emailed Tommy and said there are kind of questions that come up time and time again amongst my client base, but also Matt and I discuss them a lot, don't we? And I haven't really come across definitive answers, so I thought I'd ask you. And I'm not sure there are definitive answers to this yet. I'm not sure the science is even there. So I thought I'd just ask what your opinion is. Yeah. So. Should we put a clause in that this is just your opinion? This is just my opinion, yes. Yeah. <laughs> in, my yeah. opinion. in my opinion. No, no scientific advice is being given to you. Right <laughs> yeah. And you don't, start don't each sentence me. with, in my opinion. In my, in, my, in my humble professional opinion. <laughs> so why don't we kick things off with, and this is a question that has stumped me for years, to be honest with you, and that's why is a pair of pants called a pair when clearly there's only one? <laughs> <laughs> Tommy. It's got something to do like you have a, a pant on each leg and therefore you need two and it's therefore a pair of pants. You could be onto something maybe, there. Maybe previously people had like just one pant. <laughs> that, used to, that used to be a thing, right? Did you, know, you think back in the day, like when they wanted to go commando, they would go uh, to pant or not to pant? <laughs> that is the question. Uh, they were like two pants. <laughs> uh. I'm sure Wikipedia's got the answer to that. You do not need to ask Dr. Tommy that question. Okay. Well, we need to switch off, Matt. We've, yeah. We've, yeah, we've uh, started. I'll Google that. <laughs> Put it, in the show, put it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> Links. Right, I'm going to ask a question okay. now. Uh, right, my first one is hydration. How much water should we be drinking? Do things like green tea and uh, things like a decaf coffee um, and fruits and vegetables count? Why, why decaf? Well, I'm assuming that caffeinated coffee has so much caffeine in that it's dehydrating, but I heard that tea, because it's lower, but this might be selective information again, doesn't dehydrate you. Yeah, well, maybe none of it does. I actually have, I actually have the answer. Oh um, yeah. So you should drink as much as makes you not thirsty. 
simple as that. That's good. Plenty, plenty of evidence to support that, both in terms of uh, general health and in terms of sports performance. I think in most people, that's usually going to be like 500 mils to a litre and a half a day, something like that. Yeah. Um, but particularly if people are trying to stay healthy and perform well, just make sure you're not thirsty. And that can also be, you know, if you're kind of hungry or cranky or tired and you can't quite figure out why, at least for me and many people I know, often that's because they're actually just a little bit dehydrated and once you have some water, you actually feel better. Um, and has it got to be pure water? Yeah, water which comes from anything can count um, in terms of... So interestingly, tea by weight, the dry tea, has just as much or more caffeine in it than coffee does, but obviously because of the surface area and the amount that you use, less caffeine ends up in the water. Oh, um, yeah. But... You, you need about five milligrams per kilo of caffeine to, for it to have a dehydrating effect. Yeah. So Matt needs to have like three venti Starbucks for it to start having a dehydrating effect. But by that point, really? he's drunk three venti Starbucks, so he's drunk a lot of fluid. So probably overall, it's not going to have that really. much of an effect. Really? So most coffee and tea, you, you might have, because they have the, because they have the tannins, they have that kind of bitter yeah. taste, so your, your mouth feels drier. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you've, that you've been dehydrated. So so actually, for most people, for the caffeine intake they have, they're probably not going to get a dehydrating effect. Mm. Everyone is going, phew. Everyone's like, you know, like, punching the air now, like, yes. Well, because one thing that I see people do is drink a ton of tea and coffee and then go, I need to drink two litres of water, and then they stay up all night peeing. No, um, not necessarily. Yeah. yeah, no, see, I've always been quite... Um, because I've always thought that, you know, like people are like, oh, you know, coffee, you know, it's, it's massively dehydrated. You know, I think, you know, if you are having it, like you say, like a, a large filter coffee or something like that, you know, there is a lot of fluid there. For me, I'm like, how could that possibly be? be? Yeah. You know, like, like you just said, it kind of outweighs it. I have noticed something here that I, I feel like Keris is on, on, on podcasts is trying to go out of her way to try and put me off coffee consumption but so far <laughs> you, you've stood me proud tommy you've <laughs> you've you've backed the coffee corner well I mean, yeah, like I'm, I'm i'm in the coffee corner the whole way uh, <laughs> and you know people can bring it on uh, both you know particularly epidemiological data we know we don't want to can't rely on that for like causation but like four to six cups of coffee a day and this is like an average cup not like my cups or matt's cups but you know like one or two of our cups of coffee a day are associated with improved health outcomes, you know, yeah. reduced types of diabetes, Alzheimer's disease, all this yeah. kind of stuff. So even if it's not beneficial, it's definitely not doing us any harm. We can look at it that way, right? So that's... Um, I'm happy with that. I just... But do you know how much coffee he drinks? Like some days he'll have like eight double espressos. Oh, shut yeah, up. I don't have eight double espressos. You, don't you just make it up. It- the thing is, right, because Kerry's can't... Like, Tommy, get this, right? She class like, if I have a double espresso, she's like, technically that's two coffees. <laughs> and I'm isn't like, it? and I'm like, well, it? no, because look, who do you know as a single espresso? <laughs> name, name me someone right now that you know as a single espresso. Italian, nobody. No, but didn't coffee? Most coffees like cappuccinos used to be one shot, nope. and then now, thanks to the coffee companies, they're two shot or they're oh, add an extra shot for twenty p. And your default is is a no, double. But most coffee shops now, there's a little notice that says all our coffees are oh. double shot. Ask if you want it weaker. Right. So caffeine other coffee shops are available. Well, I know there's one um, there's one shop uh, in in uh, in London, central London, that actually refuses to do like single espressos because it's like 
that's not coffee. Like, it's either double <laughs> or nothing. Like, so okay. that, but actually, so the, the, the coffee movement now, it, it's become more like, you know, first it was wine and then it was beer. And then I think tea kind of turned up and now it's kind of coffee. Yeah. Um, okay. And actually, when you brew it that way, it's it actually looks a lot more like tea. It's actually, you'd call it weak, Matt, but it, yeah. it, it can taste a lot more. It's a lot fruitier um, and all that kind of stuff. And then obviously the caffeine the caffeine content is going to be much, much lower. Whereas if you go to somewhere like Starbucks, yeah. they make their coffee basically like taste like tar because they Beautiful. then add so much milk that you need to be able to taste there's actually coffee. still coffee in it. So they make the coffee super, super dark just to kind of combat the amount of milk that they add to it. So it kind of depends on where you where you lie on that. See, I think, I think milk coffee. ruins coffee, personally. I'm, I'm, you know. No, I agree. I do agree. Is that okay then, Tommy? What would you say, other than kind of, I'd say a bit of blood sugar, maybe adrenal problems in, in terms of mat chugging down coffee all day long. Is there any other side effect you should be aware of that I can remind him of on, on his eighth coffee? No, I'm not going to give you that. I'm not going to give you that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that ammunition. <laughs> this is why Tommy is my favourite guest. <laughs> this, this is why we keep having him back on the show. <laughs> right. I mean, just saying that, though, with, with regards to caffeine, actually, I mean, so I know we were talking about hydration, but I suppose... The biggest impact for me where someone should probably look to reducing it is if it's if they are massively uh, having like huge sleep problems or quite sleep deprived. Well, and that's some people a, are, are poor uh, metabolized, aren't they? And they get very jittery and anxious on it. And they know, yeah. but they know that now already. Most mm. of them aren't even drinking it after if they kind of work that out. Just going back to the water, one last thing. So people that are out there, there's a lot of kind of it's as if drinking water has become a kind of new challenge almost. And I get. Some people come to me and they're drinking three litres. Uh, what would you say would be kind of side effect to that that they might want to address? Yeah, so you can you can definitely sort of, I mean, I, I see in people you sort of reset, you end up resetting your what your body thinks is a normal hydration limit or in terms of yeah. normal water intake. And then you, it's kind of almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. But obviously, I mean, they'll be, they'll be passing a lot of that. <clears throat> Um, and it almost becomes like a psychological um, polydipsia, which is like a fancy word for drinking too much. And I think, you, I mean, there's a potential to see some like changes in your electrolytes and sodium and things like that. Your body should, if it's healthy, should regulate. Yeah. Um, but I mean, apart from the, apart from the, the inconvenience of, of that drinking, like worrying about drinking that much, having to then go to the bathroom afterwards, I don't, I don't know of any immediately negative side effects but it's just worth remembering that it's it's probably not necessary for most people. I mean, I, like, I sweat a huge amount, so I have to I have to drink, drink plenty. Same. But if, if that's not the case for you, then then you know you don't need to drink I, as much. I think it's quite. I mean, we often get that as a question, don't we? Like, oh, you know, I'm a bit worried about drinking too much water, and I'm like, well, you're probably more likely to not drink enough than you are to drink too much. Um, I had a heard, I can't remember, I'm sure this is in a lecture, somebody said... What? I had a what? I had heard, I can't oh. remember where, what the source was, I'm sure it was a lecture I was in, about just depleting water-soluble vitamins with too much, with overhydration, so you might be low in vitamin C, possibly B vitamins, but I don't know whether you think, what do you think about I'd be more worried about, I mean, to be honest, I'd be more worried about intake than I am about... Overconsumption. Water, water yeah. flushing it out. I mean, it's the, it's the same in most things. Your body is, you know, a healthy body is very good at regulating these things. Just like the more you sweat, the less important stuff you sweat out because your body's like, well, I can't afford to lose those things like, you know, minerals, iron, zinc, stuff like that. So, you know, the, 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 the kidneys function for a reason um, and we should let them do that job. But, you know, I, I think if your people are drinking three, four, five litres of water a day without, you know, 
sweating out or you know having having a reason for for losing that much, then then that's probably unnecessary. They might be doing it so they do more toilet trips, which keeps them fit, gets them moving on the hour every hour, maybe. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be increase the extreme. set count. <laughs> I mean, you must be lacking some serious motivation to move if you have to go to those extremes, but force yourself to go to the toilet every half an hour. <laughs> Right, next question. Oil supplementation. Here are your options. We've got yep. cod liver oil. Yep. We've got extra virgin cod liver oil. Um, the fermented cod liver oil, which has pretty much been a bit kind of, um, everyone's turned against fermented cod liver oil now. Yep. Um, just a normal omega-3 supplement, a fish oil powder, which has now come out. This Do is I a whole get, podcast, really. Get, what about fish oil? What about omega-3s? from actual food and, uh, is that an option? oh yeah there is that yeah. it's my favorite option it where's, really is it's my favorite where's, option where you mean these these pills they just appear in the supermarket actually <laughs> come from something so wait what what do i want do i do i rank them do i so so <laughs> yeah so first of all let's go with cod liver oil so sometimes yeah. i will recommend a cod liver oil to somebody who has a um i would say some gut issues just but, for kind of but let's assume because obviously we know that it's all about food first right we know that yeah. ideally people should be eating oily fish and etc cetera, etc cetera. um so but let's assume it's someone who despises fish so we're looking at supplementation well yeah but yeah. also someone who if you're kind of doing a therapeutic dose just to bring someone's levels up they come up that they've got kind of some deficiencies vitamin a deficiency that sort of thing i i used to kind of recommend the cod liver oil for gut health and uh, eat liver oh god (laughs) i do try i do try we've got some good liver recipes but i was going to say that the the kind of supplementation side has gone back and forth between fermented cod liver oil just a cod liver oil and then now extra virgin cod liver oil so that's that one if somebody isn't getting enough of those vitamins in their nutrition refuses to eat fish as matt said doesn't like organ meats uh, I get a lot of people actually busy in the city and kind of are like, look, just can I take something? Is it out of those three options then, would you recommend any of them? Okay, so um, there is a good, there is what I think is a fairly good answer to this. So I actually, at the moment, I've been taking a, an Icelandic extra virgin cod liver oil because I'm used to Icelandic cod liver oil. That's what I grew up on. That's what my family has always taken. And most of my Icelandic family have lived a long time. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm I'm happy with that as part of my as part of my heritage. In terms of so basically, the more processed the oil, I think the less the less likely it is to give you benefit, and there's another, it makes it less bioavailable. Um, it also is more likely to oxidize it, um, and therefore, you know, it's not going to have the benefits that you want uh, within the body. So that's why it's sort of, it's better to get it from the food itself because it's minimally processed, and if you process fish oils, then it changes the conformation of um, the oil and the position of the oil on actually on the the triglyceride um and then that can affect bioavailability even though technically it shouldn't because um all of those things are kind of cleaved off and absorbed and then reassembled but for some reason it, it seems to affect bioavailability um so the, the more process then i think the, the less you should use so standard fish oils that like sit in a Holland and Barrett shell for 25 degrees for months in a clear bottle. Oh, yeah. It's driving me mad. Like, especially when they have, it, they have it in like, the shop window display. I actually got it's a like picture of it last week. Yeah, it was oh, really yeah so, so don't, don't, don't do that. So anything that's minimally processed, uh, preferably stored at cool temperatures, um, is, is going to be better. Fish oil powder is some kind of like absolute heresy that <laughs> I don't even know why it even exists. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. If you have to take a fat and then powder it, just imagine, just imagine how um, 
oxidized and denatured those oils are. Like it's just, and it, they've probably to make it a powder. You probably if you t- if you need to make an, an oil into a powder, you need to spray it with a powder so the oil kind of gets into the powder and kind of you know so it is powdered because you know those oils are oils naturally. I mean that often has to happen at high temperatures. Sometimes the powder you use is either like casein protein or maltodextrin or something so you know you're already introducing other ways that you can sort of alter or uh, damage these fats you know so fish oil powder i, I didn't even know it existed and I'm, I'm sad that it does um <laughs> if if you're gonna if you're gonna supplement i do think i think the the biochemistry of krill oil is better because it comes as a phospholipid rather than a triglyceride so it's slightly it is it's probably more bioavailable than than like a cod liver oil. So I take cod liver oil because that's what I'm used to. Why, why would that be, Tom? So it's just to do, it's to do with, so uh, phospholip- a phospholipid is basically what we make our membranes out of. So it's it's got like a, a phosphate group and then it's got a, like the fat tail, like the fatty acid tail. All that. And studies have shown that phospholipid-based DHA, say, is more bioavailable triglyceride-based DHA. And you get more phospholipid um, fatty acids, omega-3s from krill oil than you do from fish oil. Um, So I think the way I'm leaning currently is that you should get most of your omega-3s from food. If you're going to supplement, I I would err on the side of krill oil. Also because they're, you know, very small animals, you're not going to get bioaccumulation of heavy metals and things like that. So um, I know it's strange that I prefer cod liver oil. That's just what I'm used to. But if somebody's starting from scratch, uh, try krill oil or just, you know, eat some more mackerel. And what would you say, I know the kind of recommended amount is three to four servings of oily fish. I do get the question from a lot of clients, does it matter if I eat oily fish every day? Do you you mean, is it better to eat oily fish no, every no, day? No, no, does it matter? Because there's also people, some people saying, oh, what about heavy metals in large uh, fish? So I would say mackerel maybe. And I don't think they're talking about... Yeah, so about... mackerel is actually slightly higher on the heavy metal count. <clears throat> yeah. um, sardines are better, oysters... Uh, a good basically you know the lower you are down the food chain food chain the better um and the, so, um, the size of the fish as well is that right like so yeah. the smaller yeah, the fish yeah. Yeah. anchovies yeah so anchovies again very good uh, but that's also because they're lower down on, on the food chain um so no i don't think eating fish every day unless it's you're just like smashing swordfish and tuna yeah uh, then then could def- then could potentially cause a problem and some of the best studies have looked at the effects of um fish intake, mercury intake, and, you know, cognitive outcomes in, like, pregnant women and then their children. There's one study done in the UK, then then also study done in the Seychelles, which was actually quite well-performed. Um, and all of it seems to show that even though mercury intake is higher, you either don't get any negative benefits or you, you, or you don't get any negative effects or you get more likely to get benefit from the seafood intake despite a higher mercury intake. And that's probably because... Seafood contains selenium, which can uh, counteract some of the negative effects of mercury and other heavy metals, um, and then the benefits of the omega three. So, yes, eat more, eat um, seafood lower down uh, the food chain. But I, I really think that you know a, a reasonable amount of seafood, seafood every day, as long as you're careful about where it's coming from, is, is going to come. Cool. I think, like, do you not think? I mean, you know, you mentioned earlier that you know, like, a healthy body is is good at regulating itself and ensuring kind of everything's balanced and in order. But, you know, of course, your environment dictates a lot of that as well. Um, mm. And, you know, you're talking about, like, if you look at um, Eskimos, for example, I mean, crikey, you know, they're, they're probably smashing back oily fish left, right yeah. and centre, you know what I mean? So, yeah, and, and, and then they get, uh, 
then they get hemorrhagic strokes. They bleed into the brain because their their blood is so thin because of the high because because uh, omega threes are a very good blood thinner. So is that what happens? Or Eskimos? <laughs> yeah. That shot that example down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah. Don't be more Eskimo. Yeah, don't, don't do what Eskimos do, guys. <laughs> um, Next right. question. Well, what, one last question on the topic of omega threes is omega six. There used to be this whole thing of limiting omega six. That was kind of the recommended way to balance three six status. But now yeah. I'm seeing um, a bit of a turnaround on that. That don't you don't need to necessarily limit six as long as you've got three or four servings of omega three. Don't have to worry about as in from whole food sources like almonds, avocados, olive oil. Yeah. But obviously, you don't want to be knocking back seed oils necessarily. Uh, any opinion on that? Do you still think yeah, people need to? Yeah, that? like processed seed oils and vegetable oils are just, you know, they're like they're just why? Like that's 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 my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I, because because usually you're eating them, you're eating them in the context of something that's been heated at a high temperature and deep fried, and and often that oil has been deep fried multiple times. And then, and then again, you know, plenty of studies show that increases their oxidation, which then increase will like to increase oxidative stress and damage within the body, which is just you know your body can handle small amounts of it, but in reality, you have to kind of fight the same way, try and improve your environment as much as you can. So, I think worrying about omega sixes from nuts and avocados, you know, probably not the end of the world if they're coming from whole food sources, and you're just you know you can eat a lot of nuts so obviously you can regulate your intake there you know eating just nuts probably isn't a good idea mm-hmm. um, the sort of the process the processed oils that, that come in high doses I, I would try and avoid but you know some smaller amounts from actual real food I would that's fine about. and last question I keep thinking of more as you keep talking no, you, you, that's your famous yeah I know favorite saying, oh, no, one last one thing last, one last thing <laughs> is uh, well, no, I, get, I do get asked this a lot is rapeseed oil yeah. is very popular in the UK and things like condiments and they're bringing out things like and same with flaxseed like cold press rapeseed yeah. cold press flaxseed oil do you think because they're very kind of they're like almost like a local artisan food here and you know there's nice local producers trying to trying to kind of make them a, a you know a British food what's your take on that obviously it's going to be high in omega-6 but it's not going to have been heat treated necessarily yeah I think that's a, I think that's a good question and um so one of the problems with rapeseed oil is that compared to something like olive oil it has a much lower level of antioxidants like uh, vitamin E which olive oil contains naturally which will then stop it oxidizing um, so rapeseed doesn't have very high <laughs> high levels of that. So you have a nice locally grown, organic, cold-pressed rapeseed oil and you want to put a bit of it in a salad dressing, fine by me. But if you're then going to use it to like fry things at high temperatures, uh, I'm, I'm less of a fan. Yeah. Aren't we against rapeseed? It kills the bees. It is junk food for bees. That's the other side Yeah, but I mean, that's also... We you know, need the bees, also, dep- also, dep- also depend on what they're putting on the rapeseed and, and, and stuff like yeah. that. To, to as part of the growing process so if it's some if you can get some kind of fancy artisanal rapeseed that you're, you're really desperate I, I don't know what like extra virgin rapeseed oil doesn't taste very nice I'm, I'm sorry like, <laughs> use, use a nice olive oil, olive oil. that's my yeah, I, to be fair my, I mean I, I don't personally it's, just, it's in every condiment now yeah, in the UK the, the only time rape- I use rapeseed oil is if it just happens to be in a, a hummus or it's something in, like that hummus, that I'm, I'm using I've never yeah, actually but when, purchased but when, it's th- when it's that then it's mass produced um, you know, yeah, yeah, of course. Probably not very good for the, not good for the environment. But that. what I was saying is that yeah, I've never, I, I've never actually uh, 
like you had rapeseed in a form where I could probably actually taste what the rapeseed is actually like, you know, like you're yeah. saying, like putting it on a salad or cooking with it or whatever. Like I've never actually done that. But And ideally, if I do, when we are getting hummus, we do try not to find one that's got olive oil in, but yeah. they're so far and few between. Yeah, it's like, are you for... telling me you don't make your own hummus? He should do, shouldn't he? Do you know what I think? I think people think at Fit of Food, we've got like a f- fermentation room, like a fresh oil processing room. Like, you know, like we, we grow our own like cacao plant and coffee beans. I think they just think we live in like this little indoor jungle and we just you grow are, our own you are produce. literally shattering my world. Right? <laughs> I actually like told Tommy before we started that uh, I, I just made myself an instant coffee. Um, and he was, he did, well, you know, they say like, uh, you know, a picture face, paints a thousand words like his face was it's a picture it's blasphemy but then I explained why we won't get into that though I've got a good reason right next question are you ready yeah green powders yeah do, do we need them do we need them no <laughs> do they offer do any they, benefit do they yeah, fill in any gaps I, I, I think so I, there are a number of things that you can get you know from green powders you know various polyphenols things that can do various benefits to micronutrients you know if if you're if you're really bad at eating your salads and if you make smoothies or juices you know i think they can they can have some benefit for some people so i if you got if you got a high quality one um that you like and you can introduce into your day because you know you're pressed for time fine do we need them absolutely not if if we can get them from food i think this is going to be a recurring recurring theme isn't it <laughs> yeah anything you That's need to, to look out for in your green powders or anything where you're like that really shouldn't be in there mold yeah or, so uh, I've gone, mold. I've gone, mold shouldn't be in there yeah mold <laughs> so um yeah i guess there are there are lots of companies who are now talking more about their testing for heavy metals testing for things like uh, mold and contaminants and and if you can verify some of their you know and, and you can always ask any supplement company let me talk about this before you can ask for their certificate of analysis and they should be able to send you something to say that it's that these things aren't there and if you especially if you're going to be taking this stuff you know regularly every day then i think it's worth that extra mile and, and asking for it um you know i would also you know probably organic is is going to be better to an extent because you're less likely to have uh pesticide res- residues and things that you're probably you know, in, in reality, you want to try and minimize your exposure to. And then, you know, I sort of went back and forth over these other things because, you know, there are some, um, some of the things in the family, you know, if you look at like wheatgrass or alfalfa and things and, you, and you're coming from like a traditional paleo sphere, then they're very high. They can be high in like saponins and alkaloid, you know, glycoalkaloids that could affect gut permeability and stuff. Probably less worried about those now than, than I used to be if you sort of look at the actual data. Um, so in terms of individual ingredients... Um, not really um, that worried about certain things. If you have, so we talked about um, offline carrots, we talked about like oxalates and, and things, particularly people who have like yeast infections. So, you know, lots of something that contains lots of like kale and spinach and stuff, if, if you're in that situation, it's probably worth at least avoiding until you've fixed the, until you've fixed the yeast problem. Uh, what else? Oh yeah. So, so then uh, one thing, one thing that is, that I, I think does have some, some benefits show some benefit, particularly in, in animal studies, but also some early human studies. I think you know the the cruciferous vegetables, so like uh, broccoli, particularly broccoli sprouts. Um, the, the the actual real food actually is better, surprisingly, yeah, than the powder. powder. Um, but you know things like that um, can have some sort of like mitochondrial biogenesis kind of 
kind of benefits. So, so in like a broccoli sprout powder with some stuff, or just buy broccoli sprouts. But you know, if you're going to go down the powder route, something like that, I think has some has you know some potential benefit. I'm glad well, you we, said that. We whack a lot of those on yeah, pretty much on every salad, don't we? We eat whinges when I buy them. He's like, "What have you got these things for? What's the what's the point? They don't taste of anything." Which well, they they don't really taste. No, anything. Don't taste yeah, you're right. They don't really taste of anything. Um, but they're good. They're good. They're, they're good. good. They're good. They're they're good. good. The um, the glucoraphanin gets uh, gets converted into into other things that so uh, the sulforaphane, which then can activate NRF two and cause increased mitochondrial biogenesis. Aren't you glad you asked? Yeah. Wow. And that's why it goes in my smoothie. Yeah. Which, <laughs> I'll, I'll remind myself. Speaking of that. speaking of smoothies, do you think there's any problem putting huge amounts of greens and uh, veg in a smoothie, other than kind of oxalates, which we've talked about? But what about, I think it was Ben Greenfield wrote about how when you blitz them in a smoothie, they might oxidise. Yeah, so that, that's, that's definitely possible, right? You know, anytime you take fruit um, yeah. and you cut it, it's, it oxidises, you can see it. It goes so, brown. Yeah, it goes brown. Um, so, you know, I, I've heard that same thing. So he said, so you add a little bit of acid, add some lemon ice juice. or some, yeah, yeah, so some lemon, lemon juice and some ice or cold water can sort of slow that down. Yeah. Um, does it make, that much of a difference in terms of the benefit if you're going to eat it, you know, or drink it pretty quickly afterwards. Uh, I'm unsure, um, but because because most of the most of those tests are done by people and then they leave the smoothie for a long period of time and it starts to go brown and you measure things and it's got some oxidized stuff in it. But if you if you're gonna you know throw it back straight away, then probably don't need to worry about that. So I suppose there's a little argument for not blending it the night before, not blending it the night before. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, I agree. Just quickly going on the green powder front. Because I think with this kind of thing, I think there's a huge placebo effect in that I think when someone has a green powder, yeah, it's, it's, feel green, good. it's green, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily taste amazing. It looks good on Instagram. You know, exactly. It tastes like it's good for you. So yeah. people are just like, oh, this, I feel super healthy having my daily kind of greens powder. You know yeah, what I mean? No, like, and I'd love to see that how much of an impact it is actually having. But that can be good. Having. Placebo. Yeah. I don't know. I agree. On no, 100%. 100%. <laughs> but I also yeah, so, so if it costs you 20 or 30p a day or maybe 50p a day or maybe or like a pound a day, mm. how much of greens powder so does not cost that much? No. But, you know, 50p a day to feel like yeah, you're doing something healthy. with your body. Yeah, reassured. You know, yeah. like, um, even if even if it's pure placebo, as long as it's not having like an actual negative effect, you know, yeah. maybe that's maybe that's enough for people to think. Well, you know what? I started my day well. I had my greens powder. Therefore, you know, I'm going to make sure I eat better at lunch. Yeah, and it all adds up. I agree. I agree. Awesome. Right. Next one is magnesium topical application, oral application, as in capsules or both. What's your favoured method of administration? Um, avocados. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're not. They're not like. They're not like massively high. <laughs> in magnesium, but they're they're pretty high in magnesium. I thought so dark av- chocolate was avocados, better. Avocados are my favourite administration method. What about dark um, chocolate? That's quite high, isn't it? Dark chocolate's quite high, isn't it? In yeah, dark chocolate. Yeah, as long as it's not late before bed. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, so. Yeah, there's, there's actually not very good studies on top of application of magnesium. Um, and people talk about it a lot, but yeah. I, I just don't think the evidence is that good. I, um, it's Carolyn Deans, isn't it, it, raves about um, it? Carolyn Deans, who raves about magnesium miracle, but she's like... Yeah, and so, so if, people, if people are using it in their practice and seeing benefit in their clients, and, you know, and, and some people have done, you know, like Epsom salt baths and like check their magnesium levels later in it and it's gone up. I mean, there's sort of like the actual like controlled studies. I mean, I've looked at this a couple of times, not not in the last 
six months maybe. But there's not a huge amount on top of application of magnesium. So I would put it in my mouth. Um, if I want things to go into my body, that's usually where I'd start. Yeah. Um, you know, things like, you know, like magnesium, glycinate, things like that. Um, citrate is, is fairly well absorbed, uh, something like that. And, and you know, there's, there's plenty of studies that showing that you just like total magnesium intake is associated with lower risk of cardiovascular mm. disease and stuff like that. So I would, you know, if, if you're not getting much magnesium mm. in your diet, then uh, I would just take a, take a and, capsule of, of, a, of a bioavailable form. Do you know what, again, though, I think like with this, you know, like with Epsom salts baths or applying it topically, you know, like in a spray or lotion, whatever, Again, I think like, because I'm a firm believer in rituals, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and this applies like for so many things to me. So I think if you're taking action and maybe like two or three times a week running yourself a, a bath and putting some Epsom salts in there and having like a 20, 30 minute soak by candlelight whilst you're reading a book, if anything, probably the reading the book by candlelight in a relaxing hot bath is probably having a greater impact than the Epsom salts. But because it's like this ritual you follow that kind of like de-stresses you and relaxes you. You're probably yeah. going to have a good night's sleep, right? I think people say same about the, dom, like, the doms, though. It helps. You yeah, know. but again, but how, that, how much of that is like maybe a ritual of like, yeah, I'm applying the lotion, I'm massaging the area, I'm relaxing, <laughs> I'm, I'm having a good night's, better, getting yeah. a good night's sleep, which for recovery is obviously huge. Yeah. And the same goes for, you know, like the classic, like the pre-workout coffee. Yeah. And uh, I think for a lot of people... Like who are like I couldn't possibly train without a coffee. It's the trigger. It's the to... it's the ritual. If I get yeah. up, I have some water. I make myself a strong coffee. Then I go to the gym, and that's kind of my ritual. I've had some awesome workouts where I've just got up and made myself. Like we occasionally give up caffeine, don't we? Yeah, Brief, briefly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I make the, my ritual's the same. And I'll just have myself like a really good quality decaf coffee. But the ritual's still the same. I'm still having my hot strong coffee. It's just not a caffeinated one. And I'll go on and I'll have an awesome workout. So I think there's a huge thing with like placebo ritual yeah. effect, if you like. Yeah, I, agree. I do agree. No, I think that's a great point. Um, just going back to the magnesium. So when I did uh, Charles Poliquin's biosignature, he was like, there's not enough magnesium in food anymore or zinc. Uh-huh. And I've heard it reiterated across some functional medicine but also because people... So buy my supplements. Yeah, basically. It's very <laughs> difficult because a lot of the courses I do are sponsored by supplement companies in some yeah. way. And a lot of the people that are talking are also kind of then obviously have their own supplement range. And it's kind of, it has put me off some of the functional medicine stuff a bit. The other thing is they, they do kind of argue, and obviously I see this a bit, is that the lifestyles of the people um, that are sick it is kind of draining them of magnesium and uh, zinc and B vitamins just because they're over-exhausting themselves with training and work and stress and stuff so do you think most people benefit from taking a, a magnesium supplement and probably zinc or are you still kind of case by case basis you know what? i think a, a high quality um, multivitamin and multi-mineral that has some of that stuff in it you know Is probably it? most people would, would benefit from that see um, i told you I don't think i don't think, <laughs> I don't think there's any issue there whether you know i also don't think there's any problem with you know you know, a little bit of extra magnesium is probably going to do um, more, you know, more good, if yeah. anything. Um, I, I don't disagree there. I have no stock in where you buy that magnesium from or where you get it from. Yeah. Um, but I, I know it's important. It's very good data to show that it's important. So, um, you know, you can buy bulk tested pharmaceutical grade magnesium on Amazon for like pennies. Yeah. So... You know, if it, it, it doesn't need to be some high-quality fancy supplement um, from charlatans. 
Is there anything else you think people need to be conscious of in terms of a nutrient that most people are deficient in? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Especially if you're, if you're talking, um, just because you mentioned zinc, uh, copper, also really important. Balance between zinc and copper is really important. And zinc, and, and zinc can impair copper absorption. So if, you know, uh, particularly, I mean, you can get these things tested a lot of, you know, some people who have like um, neurotransmitter imbalances or, um, you know, some some other problems, they, they can... Um, they have an imbalance in their in their copper and zinc. So if you're going to take them, take them separately, separated by a few hours, like take copper in the morning and, and zinc in the evening or something like that. Um, so, yeah, because everybody talks about zinc because it's very important, but the copper and the balance between the two is also very important. And if you can't afford a good multi, what would be your multivitamin foods of choice? I think I know what you're going to say anyway. Well, so, um, I'm not sure. So just, like, eat vegetables and all <laughs> I thought you were say, yeah, I was going to let you say organ meats. Yeah, so organ meats. If you can't like, afford a good multi. Eat liver, sardines, and broccoli sprouts. You and know? Then eggs. And eggs, yeah, definitely. Maybe we should come up with like a liver, broccoli sprout, and sardine Egg. soup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keith doesn't. Just get it all in there. I've got I, I put, I put, um, put, I think we talked about this, I put egg yolks in my coffee now. Yeah, you're um, saying, yeah. So, so, I, so, I'm, so I'm, I mix up this thing. Doesn't that oxidise so the cholesterol? <laughs> well, no, yeah, but it's much lower temperature than if you like boiled your egg or fried it. So, yeah. so, so I like take a couple of raw egg yolks and I put them in a jar and then I add a little bit of like, I have some nice like organic cream and then a bit of MCT oil. So this is like my version, we put it through coffee and I shake that up and then I have that in my, it's really nice, you can't taste the egg at all. But then it's like a great like shot of codeine and antioxidants, wow. and a little bit of protein and coffee. Matt did one this morning that was an espresso with chocolate. Yeah, I done, done like a mocha smoothie. So I done like a like double espresso shot, uh, chocolate whey protein, uh, cacao, some xylitol just to sweeten it up a little bit because obviously the cacao could be quite bitter. Yeah. And then just added water and then blitzed it <laughs> in the the Nutri Bullet. And you are a so it was like a coffee chocolatey. On like protein, uh, yeah. So the, 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 the thing that people need to like, it's happened to me loads of times. If I add, I used to add like, like before the gym, right? I'd, I guess this is similar. I'd add like whey protein to my coffee to kind of get everything in as quickly as possible, particularly early in the morning, yeah. And then, like, when you add whey protein to like a hot beverage like coffee, it like clumps up and becomes kind of nasty and coagulated. So mm-hmm. you just need to like be careful of the well, yeah, temperature. We, you definitely, yeah, well, I actually, um. Because I don't like putting anything too hot in the Nutribullet anyway, because you, you're not yeah. meant to. So I make the espresso and then I whack it in the fridge. So then yeah. whilst I'm kind of like preparing the rest of the smoothie, it's kind of cooled yeah. down a fair bit. And then I whack it in and blitz it up. But um, yeah, it was really, really good, wasn't it? It was, it was nice. I was, I was impressed. Uh, right, should we go? Last question, because I know you've, you've got to go, Tommy. What do you want to do? Do you want to do that one? It's more yeah, for let's, you. Let's, uh, yeah, let's do a bit of that. You talk about that. You've been following that more than me. So, Tommy. Um, Amino acids. I know we talk about kind of like pre post workout and stuff like that a hell of a lot. I've always kind of like put pre workout aminos in the in a, in a little bit of a placebo bracket because again it's that kind of pre workout ritual. But I've seen a few things of late suggesting that amino acids pre workout that have little to no effect on your workout. And yeah. uh, I saw something the other day that actually suggested it could actually have a negative impact on your workout. I don't know if there's anything you've been kind of like seeing about that or... Yeah, so this stuff pops up all the time and it always seems to be people promote the studies that support their their point of view. And, and in I think there are some studies that show benefit, some, some studies show it makes no difference. 
Um, it's probably got a lot to do with the intensity and the, like very long workouts. You might see a benefit just because you're going to become more catabolic over time. You know, people are yeah. in the gym and out, you know, within an hour, hour and a half. Not necessarily, you know, yeah. Not necessarily at all. The important, like always, 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 the more important thing is going to be how you recover, how you sleep, what you spend the, the yeah. other 23 hours of your day doing, what you're eating, you know, like, please don't and like these luminous green <laughs> full of artificial sweeteners or sugar branch chain amino acids nonsense yeah. like please like spend your 30 quid on, on something else but again like, isn't this an interesting conversation right because you know this is something that i often try and talk to people about i mean the amount of clients i've worked with that spend an absolute fortune per month pre-post-workout supplementation and just kind of general supplementation and then they claim that they can't afford, you know, to, to get better quality meat or fish or whatever. And yeah. they're like, God, you, you do realize you could probably save yourself a fair few quid yeah. by stripping back on some of these supplements that you don't even know if they're actually having any benefit on you. Um, yeah. and, and I do play, I mean, I've, I've completely, I mean, I don't have pre-workout aminos anymore, do I? No. I did because I was, I was always of the opinion, do you know what? It, this may not be having an effect, but do you know what? It's probably not doing me any harm. Uh, just having a decent pre-workout like amino acid supplement and a coffee and again you know if it's part of my pre-workout ritual then then all good however pre-workouts are not cheap um i just happened to be in like i was in holding the barrett the other day just um browsing as i do occasionally um and i was just looking at what uh if they had any new like pre-workouts on offer and um the one that they did have which was full of crap and as well as obviously some some bca double a's and, and it was like 25 quid. And I'm like, 25 quid for like 15 servings. And I've spent a lot more than that on Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's on the cheap side. And I just think yeah, but like, it does keep you accountable to the workout because you take it and then you think, well, best workout. That is true, actually. <laughs> and then you're like literally climbing the wall. So literally all you can do is go and deadlift. Yeah. Well, like, I always make sure the ones that I work, I mean, I must admit the, the pre-workout I was getting was Sustain 2.0 by Genetic Supplements. Um, and I really like them as a brand, actually, because, A, it's a British brand, and I always like supporting a, a good old British company. But also, as well, you know, it's not jam-packed with crap like a lot of these are. Yeah. There's there's no caffeine in there or anything like that as well. But uh, but like Kerry has said, like sometimes you have your pre-workout and you'll be a bit like, oh, I just don't know that I'm in the mood to train today, but you're, you're determined not to waste that scoop of pre-workout you've like had. Your forehead starts hitching, and you're like, I better oh, yeah, go. Because of the beatality, <laughs> you start getting the old, my eyebrows itch. It's yeah. crazy. My eyebrows start twitching. I'm like, I need to get that. That's, it's time. It's yeah. kicked in. I need to go to the gym. Go. I was going to say something. Yeah, because I've always said to people that, you know, I, I think I tweeted about it the other day, and I was like, you can't, you can't pre-workout your way out of kind of like, poor nutrition you know and, and i think some people take like a pre-workout like it's this miracle potion i think it's going and, to help burn more fat and to yeah, build and, more and muscle have a, have a better workout and yeah. get results quicker but i've always said your your, your pre and post workout window is t- for, for me it's 24 hours either side of that workout yeah. you know yeah, and really. like you said that's your that's your nutrition that's your sleep you know recovery strategies like that as opposed to the powder you take 30 minutes before and the shake you have within 30 minutes afterwards, which people just seem to be is this like holy grail of, of success in the gym is what you have 30 minutes either side. And, and I just think like the, the supplement industry is huge, you yeah. know, multi, multi billion pound industry. But at the same time, it's, 
amongst all of that, there's very few that are actually any good. It's just clever yeah. bloody marketing to, to get people to spend an absolute shitload of money on these powders that they think is going to get them the results quicker. When in fact, if they actually looked back for a moment at the last few years and how much they actually spent on these supplements and how close they were to their goal, they'd probably be yeah. like, oh, hold on, I look the same. <laughs> yeah, you know what, like, so if you, are, if you are a professional or elite athlete who has fixed everything else and, you know, is doing everything perfectly and is looking for that extra 0.3% of performance, some of this stuff can help, you know, yeah. and there are studies that show that. But, dear listener who I love dearly, that isn't you. Yeah. <laughs> right? No, no, and I don't mean that. No, no, I'm <laughs> with you, man. I'm with you. you know I mean? And that's not me either. Yeah. It's yeah, not yeah. Matt and it's not Keris. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, hey. Sorry to tell you guys. It's just like you are, in, in general, and maybe there are some of the athletes listening to this and then, you know, I'm very sorry if I offended you, but, you know, you're an average person with a job and a family mm-hmm. and a hectic life who's trying to do their best and perform their best and all the stuff that we've talked about, you know, the food you eat during the day, the, you know, your sleep, rituals, spending time with family and loved ones, those are the things that are going to make you healthier, fitter, lose some fat, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, the supplements aren't going to make that much of a difference. No, I'm 100% with you, mate. I mean, because I, you know, I train anywhere between four, four and five times a week at the moment and I train hard. You know, like I've always pushed myself in the gym. <laughs> you're, you're trying to justify. No, 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 but again, I, no, no. I, but I totally agree. Like, but I'm, I'm, I'm just a, a four or five times a week trainer who trains for about an hour. Occasionally, I go to an hour and a half. This is including my warm ups and everything as well, my cool downs. But again, I still wouldn't place myself in that bracket of someone that requires all these fancy supplements and potions and whatever, and, and good food, and most importantly, sleep will optimize my recovery sufficiently to, to progress and get the results that I desire. And I think that's the message that like we really struggle to get across to people because we live in a world of, you know, people want, uh, want a fad diet. People want a pill or a powder or a potion. People buy into all this like bloody tea detox bullshit. And, and that's our biggest like quest, if you like, yeah. is to, to try and flip people's mindsets to thinking actually hello like before all of this there was just good old food <laughs> you know and and, yeah. and that done everybody just fine you know you want to talk about athletes i'm going off on a tangent i'm going off on one right here you yeah, ready yeah. guys um <laughs> it's always needs to go soon. just real quick real quick <laughs> we're, we're, we're keep, one, one last thing one last thing that's your classic line like you know if you look at athletes if you like like they even show, don't they, that the difference between, like if you look at Usain Bolt now, absolute legend, right, world record holder, it's, it's not like he's, you know, if you went back 50 years, it's not like he's running 100 metres like five seconds quicker than the guy back then. It's milliseconds. Like it's, and when you think in the grand scheme of things of how far technologies come, supplementations come, uh, training strategies, all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, the difference. Like it, the difference is minimal. Which I know, don't get me wrong, milliseconds in 100 metres is the difference between first and last place. But to kind of paint a picture that, you know, back then there weren't all these fancy potions and pills and whatnot. You know, this has all kind of happened in what, the last 20, 30 years maybe? And and I just think like, guys, (laughs) rely on good old scoff. Good food most of the time. And most importantly, get yourself to bed at a decent hour. You know, stop kind of burning the candle at both ends and then trying to out powder or out detox your way out of everything 
<laughs> There's my little rant. You feel better. You feel better. There we go. I, I do feel better. Actually, that was a real good outlet. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's a few of my questions. I think we'll save the rest for another episode. Yeah, Keris hasn't even got a quarter of the way through the list that she wrote down, Tommy. I got quite deep. No, 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 no. I, I like this because I, I, I can just rock up. Yeah. And then you just ask me stuff and see if it's in my brain. To be fair, you've got enough in your brain to fill about 50 podcasts. <laughs> you need to do any more research for now. <laughs> Maybe when we get to 150. To be fair, though, I am quite impressed. I think this is the first podcast with Tommy that we've actually managed to keep below an hour. Well, we, if, if you stop talking, we will. <laughs> Charming. Charming. Well, to be fair, we've actually got another eight minutes, so we could get another five. I've got plenty of other rants I could go on about. No, save them. No, no, let's say we will. We'll do the rest of the questions. In another three episodes, four episodes, whatever it takes. Cool. I must admit, Tommy, you are an awesome guest, mate. Yes, you are. Thanks. It's always, <laughs> it's always a, no, no, it's always a huge pleasure. Um, I don't, like I said, I, I do, there are like two or three podcasts where I go on regularly and then just no others just because I, I enjoy them and this is absolutely one of them. So. That's what we like to hear. Wicked. Well, Tommy, listen, mate, thank you very much again, buddy. Um, have a cracking day. Enjoy all your science-y, doctor-y stuff that you've probably got planned. Yeah, <laughs> And we'll see you in another episode soon, I guess. Yeah, great. Awesome. Cheers, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.